What's up, Change the Channel podcast listeners? My name is Megan Grace, and this is another episode of Change the Channel podcast. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have a delightful story of um, an interaction that I had with this amazing three-year-old on an airplane. And this little guy's name was Will. And he and his uh, childlike spirit really uh, like began something. It started something. It was a spark. And so I just wanted as the beginning of um, kind of dropping in to this podcast, just sit with and imagine, give your your inner child, um, a little bit of a squeeze, just sit with the, like the idea, remembering back to who you were when you were three, were you someone that was curious that asked lots of questions? Um, was your mouth constantly running? Were you trying everything? Um, do, do you just have your hands on all sorts of stuff? Um, can you hear that little baby giggle that, um, you know, just of pure delight, the world was new to you. When you were three, were you shy? Were you, would you avoid eye contact with strangers? Um, did you, uh, you know, potentially only whisper your thoughts to maybe one or two people that you knew would listen? Did you have a favorite stuffed animal or a favorite toy? Did you have a favorite sweater? Um, was there a TV program that was your favorite thing? And when you were on, um, uh, like out in the world with your family, did you travel also? Were you some, were you a kiddo that would have been on the plane like my new little friend will, or is traveling never been a part of your life or something that happened when you were older? These are all parts of why I think kids are just a different kind of magic because they are living in the raw, in the now. They are so present. Um, and you ask them to wait even five minutes for something. And what does five minutes even mean? It sounds like an eternity. All they hear is wait. Um, or they'll rem- remind you like, well, you said five minutes. You're like, yeah, that that is true. You know, they are just what is happening in the moment is the unfiltered-ness of it, I think is something that's so, that begins to uh, just dilute away as we become adults and we learn how we're supposed to be and um, keeping our thoughts to ourselves and shaming ourselves when we want to daydream or um, have like a moment conversation with someone. Um, So anyway, Just as you're kind of uh, embracing that inner three-year-old that was you, then you can kind of drop into perhaps the experience that Will and I were having. So now fast forward back to the moment on the United Airlines airplane as I had landed going to Austin to participate in um, another leadership conference and I was sitting towards the back of the plane, which means, you know, it's, it's going to be a minute. 
as we're trying to shuffle things around, grabbing things out of the overhead bin, that sort of respectful head nod that that you're giving the people in the aisle next to you, you know, which one of us is most ready to leave. And I stood up and this sweet, like bubbly, giggly little boy was standing, you know, in the aisle. His mom was giving him a little space to um, kind of come back around the ability to walk around. And he was talking to the the flight attendants and was, you know, making them giggle. And we had a pretty captive audience in the back of the plane. And all of a sudden, Will looks up at me and he goes, why is your hair so crazy? And to be very fair, I mean, I have um, probably enough hair on the top of my head to clothe a small nation. It is noteworthy. It used to get padded down at airports regularly. Um, I have a super coarse, naturally curly hair that um, has been a whole journey for me to learn what it means um, to be a curly haired person in the world. And um, I also believe that um, there's, there's so much to do with um, hair when it comes to activism and a lot of my amazing friends like um that are people of culture uh, talk about their experiences in the world with hair and so in that moment I was like whoa there there is so much to this there's so much to this kid noticing my hair and um and as as I was sitting in the moment I realized like I've done a lot of work around kind of the just frizzy craziness that is my curly hair and what that used to feel like it said about me as a kid. Um, My mom used to love to straighten my hair and the message was always kind of like it was the subtle message of let's just try to contain a little bit of that crazy. Um, And I had gone through this like I could hear in that moment as, you know, sweet little Will was like, man, what is going on with your hair? Your hair is crazy. I could feel in my body that I just felt nothing but delight for his curiosity, for his just lack of judgment, pure wondering at what was really going on on the top of my head. And I realized that because I had done the work around what I feel towards my hair in that moment when he said, your hair is crazy. I just looked at him and I go, you know what? You're right, buddy. Like my hair is kind of crazy right now. And his mom was hilarious. She goes, she was like mortified, you know, just, wow. Why would you say that to her? And, um, you know, that that's not very nice. What, what's a kind word to say. And even the flight attendants were like, you know, curly hair is nice. We like curly hair. And, um, Will was just, he was unfazed by the the social norms and social, um, I guess, stigmas around saying what you really thought. He was just in the moment and he his eyes were gleaming and he was looking up at me and trying to figure out really what was going on on top of my head. And I just told him, I go, yeah, buddy, you know what? You're right. Like my curly hair sometimes just has her own mind and her own attitude and it's because I've been on a couple different planes. And sometimes when I'm in a space where there's, you know, where I've just been sitting with that for a while, she definitely gets bigger is I've got some big hair, huh? And he goes, 
yeah, you do. And I go, well, what's your hair doing? And he goes, he kind of stopped and he touched the top of his head. It was under a hat. And he goes, well, my, my hair's just sitting on top of my head. And I'm like, that's amazing. Our hair is so similar. Look, look at our hair doing this thing together. And he just like was so delighted um, because we decided to share that moment together. And um, the flight attendants kind of started giggling like a few crisis averted. And the mom just looked at me like grateful. And she goes, do you like work in education or something? And I was like, oh, yeah, I've worked with kids before. But um, I'm like, there's something really special about a kid that will ask a question like that. Like he wants to know more about the world around him. And I'm totally here for that. And and then we like that sort of bridged way to this conversation that me and his mom were having about, um, you know, honesty and, you know, how kids are so honest. And then she started talking about her, um, her trip, like where she, where she had gone and she had gone to support a, um, a friend of hers that she knew that was a military spouse. And it was interesting because it was another moment where usually, you know, the, the channel that starts for me is I don't really want to talk about my past. I don't really want to get into, you know, the time that I was a military spouse. I kind of usually before would just gloss over that. Um, and how often is that the channel that comes into our minds? Oof, they stepped on a memory, something that, you know, brings up a painful process in our past. And we want to skip over it. We want to go like, derail the conversation or stop talking or shut down. And what I realized in that moment, kind of like when Will asked me about my hair, I was like, wow, this is actually a beautiful moment of me realizing that I can lean into a part of my story that I don't usually talk about. And so I told her, you know, thank you for supporting her. You know, I mean, being a military spouse is a lot. And, um, and a lot of times, like kind of an underappreciated part of, um, of the work that goes into having a military in the service. And she was like, Oh my gosh, you're so right. And because I chose to lean in and I literally stopped the channel in my head that said, Oh, you don't like talking about this part of your life. And I said, I'm going to lean into connection. I'm going to lean in, um, ask another follow-up question. Um, then she started sharing with me about her trip and about, her like her friend and then she kind of offhandedly goes well but you know I, I'm not in the military anymore but now you know now I'm a massage therapist I said that is wild me too and she goes oh like what modalities do you like to use and got got to talking about it and she also is a somatic um, body worker and um, works out of Austin she said there's one other person um, really in her direct area that even does the kind of work that she does. And we just looked at each other and it was like this beautiful sense of knowing this knowing and raw authenticity that someone else out there in the world is doing is standing for the same change, the things that mean the most to me. Um, and we just had this moment together and we're talking a little bit more about our practices and, um, Will was like popping in with like a few of his like, you know, little side anecdotes. He was just living his best life for being in the airport. And we both just had so much appreciation for a moment that 
came out of direct and like unfiltered honesty and curiosity. And so what I was thinking about with this whole story, there were so many channels that I felt like, I mean, I felt like this whole experience was almost like a DJ in the back, like, you know, scratching, um, scratching sounds and blending songs. And I'm like, man, I am actively changing a lot of these channels right now. And so with, um, with Will, the channel that I found was like, my hair can take up space people like visibility being visible is, is actually a way of being connected. Um, I think a lot of us have stories around visibility. What, what does that mean? Is it safe? Is it um, like, is it something that you want or is it something that is going to cost you something? And um, yeah, so Will, Will just made, made it very clear that I was visible to him. Um, and because he was brave to say something notable about me, we were able to have this conversation. Um, and also it was the, you know, going, going back in and thinking about the work and thought processes that I've gone, you know, gone through as someone that whose hair feels larger than life sometimes. And I am almost six feet tall and like my frame and stature are, a counselor once told me it's almost like walking into a room and being an exclamation mark. There's a tension that comes to you regardless of whether you actually want it or not. It's just around and it's there. And in this moment, instead of leaning into the, Oh no, I feel, I feel seen. I feel vulnerable. I leaned into the, Oh, this is beautiful. I feel seen. I feel connected. And so there's this beautiful little shift. We get to choose like vulnerability um, seeing something as like embarrassment, maybe, you know, like, oh my gosh, this person saw me. What does that mean? It's a very quick channel change to choose either embarrassment or connection by way of vulnerability, if that makes sense. I'm going to say that again. When we move through the world, you have the opportunity or we have the opportunity when we're interacting with people and they notice us in that moment, being visible can feel can feel vulnerable. And by that gateway of vulnerability, we have the powerful choice to either choose in to it being embarrassing and feeling um, shrinking, or it can be expansive and connecting by way of vulnerability and like honesty, um, which Will modeled so beautifully. Um, Then the next thing is when we do work around the parts of our stories that we feel the most shame or um, pain or confusion. Um, What that does is it starts to almost make the monster under the bed feel less distant or less worrisome. The scariest monsters, honestly, are the ones that you've never seen before. You just have in your mind how they might be. Um, And so working through all that came up for me during my eight years, um, no, I was eight years married, um, like to a soldier. And then I also, you know, was a girlfriend and fiance and, um, all of that, like there's just this whole chunk of my life that, um, 
that for a long time, I just never spoke about. I didn't want to integrate it into my life because it was too painful. But leaning in, again, choosing choosing into vulnerability to talking about it with people that um, cared about me and were willing to um, to sit with me as I practiced um, my own levels of bravery around this topic allowed it to not hit my body in a in a way of contracting away of the conversation when Will's mom and I were talking about things to do with the military. It was, oh, that's also a data point in my life. And it feels like a neutral data point at this moment. And by talking about it with her, it meant that our communication got to go on longer. And by the end of it, we learned that we both are currently working through the same passion project and desiring to bring about the same change in the world, which that, my friends, is hope. And hope, I think right now, is one of the most powerful and sometimes like endangered resources in the world. When you can look across from someone and find more similarities than differences and when you see another person that's on, that's standing in the same stand for the world of the way that you want to see it, then it feels a little bit less like the whole world is just on your shoulders, right? Um, so in that moment, when I opted in to the choice to be visible and choose like in that visible vulnerability to allow it to be a connecting source, I got to have this beautiful interaction with, um, with this kiddo and his mom. And by the time we were done, I mean, we were like hugging in the airport and Will was cheering. He was off, you know, charming some other person with, um, with his sweet wit and personality. And it was fun also to be able to tell his mom, like, I don't see kids asking questions as a problem. I see it as actually something beautiful and something to emulate. And, so Will and I were sort of playing back and forth with each other in the airport and he was just unbridled joy and modeling of hope for the future. And so in this whole, of course, airport story, because I really believe the best things in the world happen in the airport, um, or the best interactions, I guess, of these kind of moments, they feel most noteworthy for some reason in the airport. Um, This is just an invitation to you to look a little bit deeper. Number one, how how have you cared for your three-year-old version of your inner child lately? Are you finding ways to be imaginative? Are you curious about the world around you and the people around you? Um, Are you asking questions that initiate connection? Or are you still feeling some some version of uh, holding back? And then just notice that. Where... Where does the holding back come from and what does it still serve you in the way that maybe it did before? Or is there an opportunity to risk? Um, So, and then also um, if you have the opportunity, you, I don't know. I almost feel like when we do personal growth work, it's giving us the opportunity to have more, discs in, um, or more tracks in our DJ playlist of different channels that we can change to, right? Different ways that as soon as something kind of goes off, off the rails a little bit, or we're starting to feel triggered or whatever, 
when we spend intentional time with our story in vulnerability, moving through things experientially, then our bodies can heal. And so then when when a part of your story that used to be a trigger is brought up, it doesn't feel the same in your body anymore. It's almost like a song kind of getting to a certain point and it's building. And then you know when the DJ just blends something else in and all of a sudden it just takes it to this whole nother level. Um, that to me is what ends up being the gift of doing embodied personal growth, learning and work because it gives your body that bandwidth. It gives your internal channel changing DJ more tracks to move to as opposed to just I'm in or I'm out. Um, this hurts or it doesn't. I like it or I don't. Um, and what would it be like if we had a world where there were a few more of us that were interested in mixing hope and grace and curiosity and love and, um, rest and, um, looking out for, for people, uh, for other people, for people that don't look like us. What about generosity? Um, what about, um, humor, humor in the middle of, you know, stories that used to be so deeply sad. What if humor was actually this medicinal balm that we added in? And of course we can't use all of one thing all the time. Right. But the more we do this embodied learning, the more we have these tools readily available to be able to mix, uh, I guess the, the tracks or the playlists of life for us. Right. Hopefully didn't get too deep in that metaphor. Like, man, I love me some music. I love, um, I love feeling within my body, what it feels like when I'm moving down a track, I'm listening to a song that's taking me a little bit to a dark place. And then I just powerfully choose into, you know, scratch and move and pivot. Um, and then my mindset shifts. And in that moment, I'm present for the next bit of magic that's available to me. And so this is my invitation to you. What are the, what are the, like, I can't touch this buttons in your life. What are the parts of your story that as soon as it's brought up, you feel your body retract away from it, or you feel all of a sudden different than other people in the room, or it doesn't feel safe to be visible. Just notice what those are. Um, and invitation to get creative. Um, there are somatic practitioners like me, um, that love to work with where those stories are stored in the body and how, how they can be integrated in a way that allows you to have, to be more resourced in the world as the stuff comes up. Um, yeah. So just take notice of that and then also take notice and find some way today to honor that beautiful inner three-year-old inner child that is you. Maybe it's um, deciding to put bubbles in the bath, like bubble bath, or maybe it's singing at the top of your lungs unabashedly in the car, or maybe you wear like funny outfit, or maybe you like eat cereal for dinner or something something to symbolize to your inner child that you're still, you're still available for that, which is curious, that which is joy filled, that which is possible in the world. If you're present, 
And so, yeah, thank you for being with me on this journey, this um, moment, uh, moment in time with Will and his sweet mom. And I really deeply hope that you will find ways to move through some of those stickier stories that are in your life to be able to be integrated and available and resourced for all the connections that are available to you in this beautiful world. Sending everyone's ears that are listening right now, a just a dash of hope, of humor, of love, of deep, deep resonant belonging. Because my dear, especially at Change the Channel, who you are, what you be, what you're up to in the world matters deeply to me. So thank you so much again for listening. And this is another episode of Change the Channel podcast. We'll talk to you next week. 